Welcome back to the Wealthy Woman Podcast. It's Donnie here. I'm back and today I look like Cher because my blonde hair, my wig is under construction at the moment. So today it's just giving Cher realness and we're just going to roll with it. Honestly, for the next few episodes, it's going to give Cher realness because I'm batching content today and this is the hair we're going with and I think it's cute I think it's really cute I love my blonde hair more and I think we've all agreed on that if you follow me on TikTok you know what I'm talking about we've all agreed that the blonde hair hits better but like I said my hair is under construction okay we're leveling up and so while the level up is happening like it's loading you know and so this is like what we're doing while we're in the waiting room anyway now that we've addressed that <laughs> I always I feel like every time I start the podcast, we're always talking about my hair. So I'm going to stop doing that. You guys, thank you so much to everyone that has been like giving feedback, being supportive. Y'all know that I said on the last episode um, that we are going to start doing episodes every Thursday and we're only doing one episode a week. And y'all seem to be OK with that or just from what I've seen so far feedback wise. So I'm happy about that. I'm glad. What is wrong with me today? I don't know. It's early. It's like early in the morning and I never record or do content early in the morning because I'm not a morning person. So it's taking my brain a second to like work. But today we are going to talk about cash flow because y'all requested um, that I talk about cash flow after I did that episode about how to truly become wealthy or whatever it's called. But y'all requested this. So here we go. I'm excited about this episode. This is going to be like one where you take notes because I'm giving actual steps and I'm teaching. This is fun. I haven't taught in a minute and I haven't taught about like these are the topics that get me going. The reason these topics get me going and they're so exciting is because they're transformative. And I always, always get excited about sharing anything that has helped me transform my life because like that's how you know it works for sure is like when it works for you. Um, but also like it works for other people too. So I always get really excited about topics that are transformative. So, and y'all seem to as well. So we're going to talk about cash flow, like the game of cash flow, but we're going to, I'm sure a lot of these things that I'm going to share are things you've heard people say in passing or say in a different way, but I'm going to actually break it down into tangible steps and kind of make all the dots connect. If that makes sense. That's like my favorite way to teach is, I'll take a concept and I will explain it and make it like really plain and also make it tangible so that you can like start taking action right away. One thing I've learned as a teacher, um, and this is just for anyone that's a coach or anything, since we're talking about business and making money today, um, one thing I've learned is that people need quick wins. And so teaching ideas and concepts, that's really cool. It's fun, right? It's fun to sound smart. But unless somebody actually can take what you said and do something with it, nine times out of 10, people just don't care. Or or they're going to, that's the thing, like, they're always going to remember the person that made impact in their life and, like, help them do X, Y, and Z, right? They're not, they're not necessarily just going to remember the person that said something good, that sounded good, right? So keep that in mind if you um, sell anything, Okay. Now, I do want to say this. This episode is more so geared towards the person that is the entrepreneur or even if you just have a job centered around sales or something like that, like this is going to help you learn how to make more money that way. 
Um, if you're somebody and you don't have any interest in being an entrepreneur and you just work a corporate job, I'm sorry, I keep looking off cause I'm looking at my dog. He's doing some weird stuff and I'm trying to figure out what he's doing. Oh, that little regret. Every time I start recording, he just knows and he be doing stuff he don't need to be doing. Either he be trying to get my attention. And then if he's not trying to get my attention, I know something is going on that shouldn't be going on. He's a toddler. Toddlers always be up to no good. Like they just <laughs> they be up to no good. But anyway, back to the point. But yeah, if you have no interest in doing anything outside of your corporate job or your day job, um, sweetie, I hate to tell you this, but you're probably just that's not going to bring you more cash flow. Like your income is capped. There's just no way around that. Your income is capped unless you become an investor and you're willing to play the long game. But in order to be an investor, you probably need more cash. Right. So, you know. Anyway, but this is going to help you no matter what type of business you do, no matter what type of service you do, whatever product you sell, these concepts are going to apply, okay? I just want to let you know that. Like, this is for the person that has control over the way that they bring in money or that does something on the side or may, like your main thing is something where you just have more control over how you make money. Really quick before we hop in, if anything I say helps you today, I want you to do one of two things or both, okay? One leave a review if you have not already. I really would appreciate it. We're on the road to 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't already, please leave a review. You can leave a review on Spotify. You can subscribe on YouTube as well. Definitely subscribe on YouTube, but also leave a review on Apple Podcasts specifically. That helps so much. And then um, you can leave it anonymously. So you don't have to, like, I don't have to know who it is. You can leave it anonymously and you can say whatever you want to say, okay? And then the second thing is share it to your story. If you've left a review already, please share this um, episode to your story. Share it with somebody you know. Share it with somebody that you think it'll help. Like if you feel like it's going to help somebody, just share it with them. Okay. Because that's what we like to do. That's wealth. Okay. Wealth is knowing that there's more than enough for everyone. And so uh, sharing valuable information with somebody that probably needs it is not going to hinder you from getting what's yours. Okay. Actually, it's probably going to help you even more because you are being generous. So, and that comes back to you. All right. So anyway, let's get into today. Um, So like I said, we're talking about cash flow. So the first thing that a lot of people don't do when they hop into a business that they need to be doing is do your research. Okay. Do your Googles. We, I think a lot of times like we just assume because somebody else is doing something and it looks really good and we see maybe they're getting a lot of clicks on social media, not a clicks, they're getting a lot of views on social media or it just appears like they're making a lot of money, right? So we think, oh, let's hop on it too. But, but you just never know and someone could be the exception to the rule. That's like saying, oh my gosh, everybody has a makeup brand so make, um, selling makeup must be the best thing to sell, right? Or a really good thing to sell. Yes, it could be a good thing to sell, but the market is saturated, okay? And so being that the market is saturated, we need to do our research and figure out what's the best way to position our brand. Or if we can target a certain um, section of the market that hasn't really been targeted yet, right? Because there are markets within markets, Okay, which will I'll explain that in a second. But you just need to like do your research and see, is this the best thing for me to sell right now? So I'm going to use my businesses as an example so that you can understand what I mean. 
when I started, when I started Pivot Cosmetics, um, that was my third attempt at having a makeup brand. <laughs> third attempt, okay. Um, and it actually, I as I started doing my research, I said, oh, I need to do skincare. As I kept failing, I started realizing that I had just started things all wrong. I saw a trend and I tried to hop on it and that did not do well. And the reason why is because, so I had a brand before Pivot called Solux Cosmetics, okay? And Solux was, I thought it was the bomb. I thought it was great. I came up with um, these different highlighters for different skin tones and stuff because highlighters were really big back in like 2017. So, um... Everybody was wearing highlighters, so I came up with these kits where you could, like, highlight your whole body, and it was a whole thing, right? And I thought it was cute. Everyone else thought it was cute, too, but the problem with that is, one, those products don't really run out. Like, people don't run out of them, so they don't repurchase. That's number one. And then number two, it was just a trend. Uh, the No, people don't slather highlight on their face anymore. It, and then even on our body, we do wear it, but only in certain seasons, so I really put myself into a bad position because I was sitting here trying to sell this product all year long and people were just like, ah, I don't really want it yet. And yes, sales got better during the summer, but like there's a lot of other months in the year and we got to figure out how to make some money. And that was my only product was those um, highlighting glow kits. That's what they were called, glow kits. And so in the kit, you got a highlighter for your face, you got a highlighter for your body and a brush and all this stuff. So, I mean, now thinking back, that brush, that was not a good brush to pair with that. I should have put, gave a body brush if I was going to give a brush. Anyway, y'all, see, even thinking back and just like, what was I doing? <laughs> I might insert a picture of it here, like, because I probably have a picture somewhere on my phone of the kit. It was cute. It was cute, but it was just didn't make sense financially uh, long term for this business. Okay. So the cash flow was just not cash. Like, it wasn't flowing. The cash was not flowing. So, um, it was really frustrating because I really was trying. I actually was with that one. I um, had had tried to launch it and then I stopped because this is what a, a lot of people don't realize. The people have thought for years that I was older than I was. Okay, so people, I think people were very really judgmental of me. Like, and that's not me thinking this. I know this because there was a time when I was younger. I'll, okay, I'll use Periscope as an example. I was like 18 or 19 when Periscope came out. At that time, I was just always the person that was trying to have a business. Like, I was always the child that was trying to have a business. And so, I don't know. I was, like, trying to coach and stuff and do all this stuff online. And I was pretty decent. I would say for that age, I was pretty decent. And so, I was, like, I remember one time <laughs> I got on live, okay, did what I was doing. And then I get off of live and one of y'all's favorite coaches today, at this time they were not as big as they are now, but um, this coach that y'all love, she got online. She follows me, okay? And then she, after she watched me, she got on her live and she started talking about me and making fun of me, you guys. And she was younger, like at that time, I think she was like in her mid 20s and I was 19, 18, 19. And so that was like the most disheartening thing because I don't think she realized how much younger I was than her. Right. And so, yes, the stuff I'm doing is raggedy because I'm young. I don't have any money and I'm trying to figure things out. Right. Like I just I don't know what I'm doing. 
And so she would like, I don't know, her and her sister, her sister is older. She was like 30 at the time. Now she's way older. But she, her sister would say rude stuff too about me. I was like, I'm literally sitting here trying to figure this out. And so anyway, my point in saying that is that's just an example. But like people, I think, have always thought I was older than what I was. So when I would like put out my products and they would kind of be janky or whatever, people were really judgmental. But like I didn't I, I was doing the best I could and I was determined to figure things out. And so I say that to like encourage you, like if you're putting things out and it's not the best or you feel embarrassed looking back, just don't just don't feel any type of way because I myself have been there truffle oh my god i am so sorry I, like i told y'all before i am a mother okay i have stopped this podcast this episode specifically at least four times by now at least four times to get up and deal with him so if this does if this show this episode does not make sense it is his fault <laughs> because i keep having to get up and deal with him <laughs> so now he wants to be held Okay. Anyway, I'm trying to stay on topic and get this done because Jesus. Anyway, so I still have to say don't be embarrassed, but I just kept doing stuff that didn't make sense. And that with so lux, I tried like at least two or three times with that because the first time I came out with it, it was really janky. The next time I thought I had done a really good job. And then I realized I still did not know what I was doing because the sales weren't good. It didn't matter how cute it was. It didn't matter how good the product was. It did not make sense as far as making money from it right so I shut that down (laughs) and I was like okay um and I was at this place in my life at that time where things were just raggedy okay like oh my life Jesus my life was not it and um (laughs) so, so I had gotten this job and I was like I'm just gonna use the money from this job to launch my brand again and so while I was like starting this job I was doing a lot of research right and so I started doing research and I realized I was like, oh, I've done this all wrong every single time I've tried to do this, done it totally wrong. So I, I realized, OK, I need to find a section of the market that hasn't really been tapped. And so for me at that time, I realized CBD was something it was trending. And that's what you want. You want a healthy mixture of trending, but like something that's still going to outweigh, outlast the trend, if that makes sense. Like, it's going to be something that people value enough to prioritize after it's done being a trend. But also, so this is what I did. I realized, okay, CBD was trending at the moment, right? But I realized also, like, the market for CBD was just big, whether it was trending or not. People that like cannabis, they just really like cannabis, and they see the value in it. So these were people that could be long-term customers. They weren't just going to, like, hop on it and then leave me. Right. Once the next trend came out. But also, too, I was like, just to make sure they don't leave, just in case I'm going to layer other benefits in my products so that whether CBD is trending or not, because that that was going to be the way we made our name was through being a CBD company. Right. And that's a great way to start off. If like there's a trend you can hop on, use that to build your momentum and then do things to make sure you're sustainable outside of that. And then here. Bye. Bye. truffle if anyone wants truffle y'all can come get him um but anyway yeah I'm talking about you anyway um so yeah I layered all their benefits into the products and I made sure that they catered specifically to women of color and that they helped our specific skin issues because women of color are the biggest um buyers of beauty and our dollar goes a lot further because we we 
spend more. <laughs> so if I could get them to spend, I was going to be good. Um, and then, yeah, so I just layered all these different things. And then I also made sure that there was like an underlying message or element to it. Like what would be the point of using these products? Um, why would you, what would be the reason that you would prioritize purchasing these products? And I realized the women that I was catering to, they were focused on, um, investing in themselves. Like that was the wave at the moment. And it still is like these women are learning to prioritize themselves, invest in themselves, take care of themselves. So we layered another thing of, or mess, like we added another layer to our messaging about self-care. So all that combined the moment I started talking about it and I released it, everyone was like, oh my gosh, yes, we support it. I had never, ever received support like that. It was day and night, okay? And so that was why I kind of told that story a second ago about how people used to react to my stuff because I, I mean, yes, it could just, you know, everyone loves to say, oh, my family and friends don't support me. Da, da, da. It wasn't even about that. My stuff was just whack. It was just whack. And then... <laughs> I could say that. We could say, oh, my family, friends, blah, blah, blah. whatever. But at the end of the day, it was whack. And then the moment I did it the right way, every it didn't matter who the person was, whether they liked me or not, everyone could not deny that Pivot was decent. Like it was something decent that I had started. I said that to say, when you do things and you do your research right and you build your brand around research and not just, oh, this sounds good or whatever, things are different, Okay. And so back to the market topic, you need to make sure that your business is scalable and that the market is big enough for the amount of money you want to make. OK, so you're when you have a business, <laughs> what makes it scalable? OK, actually, let's talk about the market first and then we'll go over to scalability. So the market, what I mean by that is if a market, there's only a few people, a few million people that are interested in your product, right? And let's just say, hypothetically, you can, in fact, get in front of all those people, right? Now, if you have a 2% conversion rate, which is average, right? That's average. So let's just do some math here, actually. We have 2 million, I mean, we have 5 million people, right? And we have a 2% conversion rate. That means we would only, the whole time, the whole time we were in business, we would only be able to get maximum 100. If we can get, that's the thing, if we can actually get in front of all 5 million of those people and have a solid chance at selling them, because some of us are not good at sales. This, this is just if everything is optimal. Our sales strategy is really good. We get in front of every single person in the market, all that stuff, right? We would only have the opportunity to have 100,000 customers, period, okay? And some of y'all are probably like, that's really good. Okay, most of y'all, let's say that you're selling a $25 product, right? All right, so let's do 100,000 times 25. That's 2.5 million, okay? 2.5 million. You tell me, if you decide to be in business for, let's just say 10 years, okay? <laughs> Divide that, we're going to divide that 2.5 million by 10. That's $250,000 a year, okay? And some of y'all are like, oh, that's great. No, that's what a lot of y'all, if you add up everything in your life, like if you had the ideal life, if you added up everything that you want to do in your everyday life, if you had the perfect life, a lot of y'all would need to make this on a personal level, okay? Now let's take out taxes. So we do that, <laughs> we do that $250, right? And then we take out some taxes, 
Okay. I mean, yeah, $250,000. And that's only if you're in business for 10 years. Okay. If you decide to be in business longer than that, we're going to have to divide that up even more. Because as you run through the market, you're running out of customers. Okay. So some years it might be this. And then some years it might be less. And then some years it might be more. Like, depending on if the market grows or, or you just ran through everybody in the market. After you ran through everybody in the market, who else are you going to sell to? Okay. You got to think like that. So anyway... We have this 250000 well, Let's take out taxes. So let's just say that's 30%. So that leaves us with 175000 Okay. Then business expenses. And then if we need help, because normally if you're making at least this much, you're going to need some help. And it ha- that's an employee. So you personally, on a personal level, are still going to only be making probably what you would make at a regular job. And that's like a low income job. Like probably out of this... Out of all your income after taxes, you need to only be um, doing about 30% of your income for payroll. And that includes your sal- That includes everybody's salary. It needs to be about 30% of what you're bringing in, okay? I know, sucky. So if we said that times 30%, what would that be? That's $52,000 that you have right there. <laughs> Let's push it to 53 because it says 52500 So... that you have right there for payroll. And so that it needs to have your payroll and somebody else's payroll that's going to help you unless you're just going to do everything yourself and be worn out. That's not cute. I I hate, like, I'm so sorry. That's just not cute. So um, that's why it's so important to know how big is the market. The market needs to be a good size, okay? And you need to make sure that you're not just going to be able to run through it in two seconds and then you're out of customers. You need to make sure that these people are going to be interested in coming back and repurchasing and things like that. So you need to see, like, how big is the market? What are their buying behaviors? Stuff like that. OK, now, as far as scalability, what makes your business scalable is if you can increase the workload and not have to put out more effort. OK, ask yourself that. Can I increase the workload and not have to put out more effort or other ways? Now, typically when you do a service, the only way to do the same workload or increase the workload is to hire people on under you to do the same services, right? And so that's up to you if you want to do that. So that's why people own salons a lot. Like they work towards owning a salon instead of just being at a chair in a salon or the, they work towards, um, you know, just being in, in charge of a group of people that way they can take on more clients and not have to, you know, just keep trading their own time. Now, if you sell products, this is so, it's a lot more easier to scale, but there's still time involved. Sometimes with physical products, there's still time, right? So packaging orders and stuff like that. Are you going to do it? Or you want to have a, a fulfillment center, Or do you want to be able to hire people on? If you do hire people on, what is that cost going to look like? What is it going to cost for a fulfillment center? There's just different things involved, right? Now, when I did my um, courses, people love course creation and stuff because it's low overhead. And well, ideally, it would be low overhead. Mine, it it, it was an illusion, I think, for me. (laughs) That if I do this again, if I ever did courses again, I'm not against it whatsoever, but one, I feel like people have ran through the market, like not just me, but like everyone else doing courses, they've exhausted everyone. So the market is kind of messed up right now, but I'll say with courses, 
it can be low overhead. It definitely can, and it should be. Uh, we were running ads, though, and because I wasn't the one in charge of the ad account and the ad, the ad money wasn't coming out of my pocket, so this is how it worked. Me and my business partner, the way it worked was our deal was a profit split, okay? So he got a portion of the profits, I got a portion of the profits. The expenses for the ads came out before we even got our profit split. So a lot of times I didn't even register that the amount that we were using on ads, I really didn't register it because <laughs> I wasn't even touch like we weren't even touching it, right? We didn't even have a chance to touch it before we would use it and reinvest it for ads. So it wasn't even a thing of it was just an expense and I saw it on paperwork, like I saw it on spreadsheets, but like I wasn't actually seeing that number. It for myself because it was already being used, if that makes sense. So the ad, the money that that account would go, like the the money for the ads went to his account because he's the one running the ads and he needed to have control of that. Like when you're running ads and you're shoveling money and all this stuff, you just need to have the money like ready to go because it has to, everything has to work a certain way. Anyway, so that's what I would change next time if I did that again. I would want to be able to like, I don't know. Not that I didn't have control of things, but it's just like I need to be able to like feel like that's real money coming in and out because it is very much real money coming in and out. And it was a big expense. So normally what you want if you're running ads, you want at least a 3x return, 3x or more return on your ad spend. So typically a third of whatever you're making, you're reinvesting. And then if you optimize your ads really well, that amount can get smaller and smaller and you're still getting the same result. That's the goal, okay? So the same thing with scale. That's, that's what scaling essentially is. You wanna be able to use less money, less time, resources, all that to get and to get the same result or more, if that makes sense. So we that's what our goal was. We were always trying to make sure we use less and less money or try to optimize our ads to the point where we could use less and less money to run them and still get a, a big return. And then once we saw that, number increasing, then we knew, okay, our ads are not working as well. We need to make new ads or whatever. But that was how we scaled. We scaled by investing in ads. And then we had a few team members that were manage maintaining everything. But that got really expensive over time it, as our ads, you know, like th there's just certain points where your ads just stop performing. So those that got more and more expensive. But also too, as you start running through the market more, your ads definitely get more expensive because you're targeting a broader audience the more and more people you are targeting, right? So over time, our ads just naturally, like we just had to spend more on them. But also, <laughs> um, when our ad account got shut down, it's like, okay, well, our expenses were already kind of high and then now our ad account is shut down and now we're not bringing any, anything in, Right. So, no, we're not spending money on ads, but we still have this this team. Right. We still have different things that we have to pay for. And the bills. That's the thing. People don't like to talk about this either. Yes. I was running a course business. Right. Awesome. But the bills are still bigger because I have more business. When you have more business, the bills get bigger. I, I had thousands of students. I had like 10,000 students. I, and it's not just from that one course, like I've been teaching for a while already. So I had thousands of students from all these different programs I had sold. So at a certain point, it's like, I have to pay at least $500 a month to like, just, for, just to host my course. <laughs> so that's the, the bills just get bigger is my point. 
the overhead gets bigger and everything starts adding up, which is not a problem if you bring in money. But if you're not, it becomes a problem. So anyway, we realized that very quickly, like, okay, this is how we wanted to scale. Um, or that was that was always the plan from the beginning is to scale through ads, because with scalability, that's the thing. You can't you can figure out that your business is scalable. You can figure out that the market is big, but you have to also have solid distribution. And I talked about this on, um, I don't know, the epi- the first episode of this season, of, of season two. Honestly, like I said, we're not in seasons anymore. But first episode of season two is about like seven-figure business or something like that. You can go find it. I have like these horrible bangs in the, in the episode. But <laughs> on that episode, I talk about how most billionaires, they have really great distribution. And that's the key. Like you can't make a lot of money without having solid distribution. So our ads was how your distribution is just basically how you get to your customer. Like the person, it's just like being a drug dealer. The person that has somebody on every corner is going to make more money than the person that just has one person on the corner. Like it's just, it's a numbers game. Like if you if you're the thing that's available, they're going to choose you if, if they don't have no other options. You know what I mean? So like if you're the person that they see every two seconds, if, if the person said they want to start a business and they see your face popping up every two seconds on ads talking about, hey, I'm going to help you start a business. Well, duh, I'm going to get their business because, <laughs> you know, of course, they're going to buy my course because they've already been trying to figure that out. And I'm the person that keeps popping up as the resource. It's not even a thing of I might I might not even be the best teacher for that. It's just I'm showing up. So I'm going to get your money. So same thing with your product. Like you have to make sure you have a solid plan on how to get in front of those people. I would recommend having several ways to distribute your products. Um, But for us, that was what took us down is we only had one channel of distribution and we needed to have several. Of course, people could organically find it. But like organic versus ads when your ads are reaching thousands and thousands of people every single day and you're, you haven't built up your organics. That was the thing. We didn't work hard enough to build up another channel. And my friend, I mean, not my friend, my business partner, he was really good at advertising. That was his strong suit. And I was okay with outsourcing that to him because I knew I needed that to hit the numbers that we were going to hit. And so we had done our research beforehand and we realized the market was big enough to where if we had kept going Last year in 2022, we were supposed to be doing a million a month in revenue because we realized the market was that big. And we we knew that if we kept going, we could have done that, like at least a million a month for at least the next few years, because that's how big the market was. Um, And that's how much I was dominating it. I was dominating the market. There was only one other person that I knew of at that time that sold a beauty course and her course wasn't even on the same topic. The way she presented it seemed like it. And I could tell she wanted to do the same thing as me because everyone saw what I was doing. Um, but and she did. I think she later out came out, out with something after I shut down Beauty Boss. But at that time, I was the main person that you knew that would teach you how to start a beauty brand. Um, and in the way that I did it, like that type of program, like the other people that had programs like that, they were just not tapping even a fraction of the market that I was tapping because my distribution was solid. So you just need to understand like how to do distribution well, but you also need to make sure the market is big enough. You have the right processes. You can scale it. So even with the course, like I, that was something my business partner told me really early when we first started. He 
because he he scaled things before I had not scaled anything. So every step of the way, he kind of knew what to do. He knew the stages. And that's another point I wanted to make. You have to understand the stages of your business in order to successfully scale. You have to understand the stage you're in. So he would always tell me ahead of time, hey, this next month, I'm planning on making us a quarter of a million. So this is what you need to have in place. He just knew. He was just like, because he had done it before. When you've done it before, like now going into my next business, I will know immediately. I'll know like, okay, I can just, um, I need to prepare this, this, and this if I'm going to expect to make a certain amount this month. And so when I did that, <laughs> so when he would tell me something, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Because every time he was right. So for instance, that very first month, he was like, what did he say that first month? The first month was all about processes and refining our processes. Like we had to make sure that the more people we brought in, because this is the thing, those first customers, honestly, all your customers are so important, but especially those first ones, because they're going to teach you what needs to be fixed in your business. Okay. They're really going to teach you a lot. So you need to be paying attention to every question they're asking because everything might not be, it might not come in the form of feedback. It might come in the form of a question. And so they could be like, if you get five emails when someone purchases your program or purchase your, purchases your product asking, how do you do X, Y, and Z? How do, you, how do I find this information? How do I do this? Like that tells you, okay, you need to figure out how to make it easier to understand how to do X, Y, and Z because that impacts how satisfied the customer is with your product. And if you don't have a satisfied customer, you don't get positive reviews and you can't use those reviews when you're selling. Reviews and word of mouth will make you so much more money than anything. And so I was always big on customer satisfaction because I needed those reviews. I needed them. Like that was what helped us tremendously. So I kept seeing an example of that was I kept seeing all these emails come in of people saying, I don't know. It was something regarding navigation of like how to get to X, Y, and Z. And so we were hosting our courses on Kajabi and it's like at a certain point, because it's a course platform, it's not like a regular website. Um, I can only make but so many changes to the navigation of the site. Cause we used to always say that in our marketing, like if you're not tech savvy, this doesn't matter. Like we can still help you. So of course, when you say if you're not tech savvy, you're going to get a bunch of customers that are not tech savvy, right? So you have to also consider what are you saying to these customers? What kind of customers are you attracting? So we kept getting a bunch of people that were not tech savvy. So what I did was I made a navigation video that you would get every time you purchase the product, it would go right to your inbox and it would literally have a screen recording of me going through how to navigate the course <laughs> because... That would help so much. And literally all of those questions went away, like the moment I did that. So it was stuff like that, just seeing like, okay, where is the area of opportunity for me to like explain our product better, for me to help you use the product better, all of that. And so once we realized that, we were like, okay, good. We got all these processes down. Like we did certain things like orientation for everybody that was new. And every Monday, like whenever you enroll, that very next Monday you come to orientation and we would walk you through everything you need to know about the courses, how to take care, you know, how to take advantage of the support we have, all that. Um, what else? But yeah, we just kept putting all these processes in place, right? Then the very next month, he was like, okay, you're going to need to hire more help for this, this, and this, right? And so then I was like, okay, great. Hopped into interview mode. I started putting out stuff saying I was hiring. 
looking for people, started interviewing people, et cetera, et cetera. Then the next month it was like, okay, we need, you know, to change this or we need to do this to the funnel. Can you make videos for this part? Can you? And so we just were like really trying um, to like make adjustments for each so that we could handle each stage of growth. When you and I and I totally understand that everyone's not going to know what the next stage is. So a lot of it is going to be trial and error. And I totally understand that. So don't be afraid to mess up because it's just going to happen. Like there will be things that you're just not expecting. I had the benefit of having a business partner that knew that that's also the benefit of having a business partner or an investor. They're supposed to know they're supposed to be able to tell you that's what an investor is supposed to do. They're supposed to be able to help you in some way. And bring this kind of value to the table. So that's what he did. He was like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this, this, and this. This is what you need to expect. And it and it always helped tremendously. It made things so much smoother. So yeah, so I hope that makes sense as far as the market, understanding how big it is, understanding how scalable your business is. And the scalability, like I said, it comes down to time. It like comes down to how much time you have to trade in order to do your business Um, If you can cut down on the amount of time that's being traded, if you can put the proper processes in place and if the cost of scaling makes sense for your business as well as well. And so if you keep running into issues where you realize, okay, this isn't scalable or this, you know, these these roadblocks, it could just be the business. Like maybe that's the thing, like every business can't be a billion dollar business. That's what people don't realize. Some businesses are like a laundromat. It's not going to be a billion dollar business. Some businesses are literally, literally, okay, just businesses that are only going to hit a certain, like a certain cap. And if you want to, that's not to say you can't make adjustments to where it could become, you know, a billion dollar business. Like, like Starbucks, for example, Starbucks is not a billion dollar business because of their coffee. That's what people don't realize. They're considered a bank because they have an app where people upload their money and sit, put like literally you, you're giving them your money and letting it sit there (laughs) until you're ready to use it. And a lot of people don't realize you don't even have to load the app in order to pay through the app, but people think that. So they load the app with their money. And so now Starbucks just have people giving them money for no reason. It's just sitting there. And they're considered a bank almost, but like really that's like income. So if if they needed to use that, they could take, and they do, they take all that money and invest it or do different things. And that's what makes them a billion dollar company. It's not the fact that their coffee is so great and everyone's buying it. At the end of the day, the coffee is still only $8. (laughs) Like, let's be for real. Um, That's a, that is a low ticket product. Like it's very cheap. I know it's a lot for coffee, but in the grand scheme of things, that's a cheap product. So we have to remember these things. Like if it's not that you can't do that business, but you might need to change the way you're doing the business if you want to get to a certain dollar amount or you might need to do a different business. Like with Solux, I just realized, girl, just let it go. Nobody wants highlight. Nobody wants it. So now that we figured that out, right, and we've decided what business is scalable and all of that. We need to figure out how to get better at sales, okay? Whenever I've included these things in my sales tactics, it did not matter how well put together my stuff was or not. I always made the sale. And people always tell me that, like people that have never seen me sell before, whenever they see me sell for the first time, they're always very intrigued and they're like, oh my God, you're really good at this. Yes, I'm really good at it. And (laughs) because that, like, that's how I made money. That's how I became a billionaire, like... 
you don't you don't become a millionaire by chance. I will say that. You can come become a thousandaire by chance, but millionaire, that's intentional, okay? And especially a billionaire. Billionaire's distribution, millionaire is sales, okay? That's the difference. Distribution, sales. I know for a fact that even without ads, because I'm so good at sales now, even without ads, if I only depended on organic and I really put in the groundwork, I could still be making millions if I put out anything today, okay? That's why I'm excited about my new brand, not just to make a bunch of money, but like doing business is exciting for me. Like I genuinely enjoy it. So like I'm excited. It's a sport. It's fun. So one of the things that you need to be doing with sales, speaking of a sport, you need to have certain goals and benchmarks for yourself. Like that's the only way that this is going to work. Like you can't just be out here aimlessly moving. Like you got to have benchmarks. Okay. There's, that's why businesses that you work for, like corporate businesses, they have KPIs. KPIs are meant to help us achieve our goals. Okay. These are beautiful things. The moment I started doing this, my life changed. Nothing is chance. Nothing is by chance. When I run ads, okay, let's just be very clear. I love to use ads as an example because it's the most predictable. Everybody likes to rely. This is so crazy. Everybody likes to rely on organic, right? Organic, 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 because it feels safe. To me, organic is the least safe. (laughs) Organic and guerrilla marketing are the least safe methods of marketing because you don't know you can't predict what's going to happen and it's harder to get those metrics it's so much harder um and and not to get the metrics but to have consistent metrics with that the consistency that's the hard part with organic if i'm doing any type of paid marketing or even if you have your product in stores anything that's more trackable anything that's more trackable and predictable you can totally have more control over how well your brand does, okay? And so then at that point, if your brand still doesn't do well, at that point, you just have to realize it's either the product, it's either the marketing, like there, it, it, but it still helps you see what's wrong. It, it, all of that helps you identify what's wrong. And so that's why I used to love teaching funnels or just having funnels. Funnels are so great. Everything is a funnel to me though. A, a funnel is not just when you click on a sales page and then, it has like 10 pop-ups that ask you to buy 10 more products. That's not a funnel. It is a funnel, but that's not what I mean by a funnel. A funnel is when you control your customer's journey. And when you try, it's your way of making sure everyone has the same sales experience, okay? Because I realized when I was working at Nordstrom, the way they set up their store was a form of a funnel. The way that they did everything was a form of a funnel, okay? People only really refer to funnels, though, with um, digital marketing and stuff. But I refer to everything as a funnel because it that's the way you control your customer journey. OK, every every customer goes through a journey in order to purchase something. Right. But when you have a funnel, you're controlling it. That's the only difference. So everything that goes into a customer's discovery of you to purchase to the to the end destination of purchasing All of that is in your funnel. So whether it be your social media, running ads, email marketing, all that, it's all a part of a funnel. Now, there are different types of funnels. Like you can do only email marketing funnels or you can do only ad funnels. Like that was what our business was. We had an ad funnel, right? You can even do organic funnels, right? But you just need to figure out what makes the most sense for your customer and what's going to give them the most optimal shopping experience, okay? Okay. 
So when you are generating sales or you're trying to generate sales, like I said, you need to have these KPIs. And the KPIs are what are gonna indicate to you whether or not your funnel is working properly. So you you don't know, that's the thing, you can't tell if your funnel is working or what in your funnel is not working if you don't have KPIs. Your KPIs are gonna be based off of previous metrics or industry standards. So if your business is just starting, you just need to go off of industry standards. So if you're if the industry standard is to have a 2% conversion rate on your website, boom, you need to have a 2% conversion rate. That needs to be your standard every day. Now, if a year ago you had a 5% conversion rate, that needs to be your new standard, right? We're not just going to go off an industry standard. We're going to go off of our standard. We're going to say, okay, this day last year we had 5% conversion, so we need to try to do that or more this year, today. And when I worked at DSW, we had an hourly KPI baby, okay? They said, uh, this is how much foot traffic we had this day last year. This is how many sales we had at this hour last year. This, Like literally by the hour, we were focused on foot traffic. We were f- focused on sales. We were focused on all kinds of things. Like there was just, and then we would have to note it. Like we would have to write by the hour what, what we were doing and how well we did. Because this is going to be our KPI for the future. But you have to keep a record of those things. You don't have to do it by the hour. That's a bit much because the reason we did that was because we were one of the top five stores in the country. And so DSW was like, we ain't playing with these sales. You, your company may not be there just yet. We don't have to do by the hour. We could just do daily, <laughs> you know. Um, and then later, as time goes on and you grow, and you have a team, then you could do by the hour. You could be like, OK, first half of the day, this is what I'm looking for y'all to do in sales. And. But that's really good, though, too, because I, I like the idea of half day stuff, because if you see you're not about to hit your sale, like it, we're let's say your sales goal for the day was a thousand dollars and it is 1 p.m. and you've only made 200. Now, you know, the second half of the day, we need to amp things up. Right. So that kind of stuff could help. But you just have to have those KPIs. So the KPIs can be centered on uh, website traffic it could be centered around um, leads coming in, people signing up for your email list, people um, purchasing, uh, all kinds of things, right? Whatever affects your business and whatever is in your funnel. Now, if you don't even have certain things in your funnel, then you just need to figure out if those things need to be added to your funnel, if it's going to help increase your conversion rate, okay? So these KPIs are so important. And your funnel, so this is what I always like to say. Um, with online business, you need to, I used to always tell my students, it's about creating the in-store experience online. That was what changed everything for me when it came to sales. When I worked at Nordstrom, they have one of the best sales processes ever, ever. Okay. I learned so much from working there and I was very, I wanted to, uh, get a better position and, so what I would do is I would go to all the the top salespeople in the department, in the makeup department, because I was working, I worked in the makeup department. I would go to all the top salespeople and I would ask them, how do you get a lot of sales? How do you do this? And, and they were willing to teach me because at that time I didn't have the same position as them. So they were, I wasn't threatening their sales They and they liked me. So they would be like, oh, this is what I do. And they would show me their processes and the stuff that they would start doing. And I was like, oh, okay. And so at that time, that was when I was planning pivot. And so I was like, okay, what can, how can I do this online? Is there a way I can do this on the internet? And sure enough, there was. So they, um, one of the top sales per- people, I mean, he probably was the top, top person. But what he told me was, he was like, 
we have a Rolodex, like a whole thing in the back end of the system. And so I have the customer's card information on file. I have all their sizes, all their makeup shades, everything you could think of that they would possibly purchase in the store. We have information on it. That way, even if they don't come into the store, I can call them and say, hey, I saw you purchase the foundation two months ago. Would you like for me to get a refill for you, um, you know, ordered and I can have it shipped to your house? So that's why it's important to have all that information. That's why it's important to have people on your email list to keep track of what they're purchasing to, you know what I mean? Like, so if refills are a part of your, your, um, the type of product you sell, you could be offering that. You could be hitting people up and emailing them. Hey, is it time for a refill? We would love to get that order in for you or put them on a subscription. But like, those are the types of things you have to be thinking about as far as generating sales and, and getting, bringing that in-store experience online and and getting um, more customers, right? Okay, and there's so many things I want to touch on. Um, But let's just segue from there into these two points about revenue-generating activities and repeat customers, okay? Once you have your funnel down, once you figured out, like, okay, this is the journey I want people to go on after they discover me and all that in order to decide to purchase, we, you need to figure out which activities are generating you the most revenue. So for him, he could still hit, he he was telling me, he was like, it doesn't matter how much foot traffic we have in here, I can still hit my goal by doing this, right? And so the average person would think, oh my gosh, how do I get more people into the store? He was thinking, why would I do that <laughs> when I have all these customers information and I can just hit up old customers and get repeat customers? That's gonna help me hit my sales goal for the day. So you have to really realize that repeat customers need to be at least 50% of your business or you need to aim for that. Um, The average store that does really well, they are getting about a 40% return rate or repeat customer rate, okay? But you should always aim for more. So, (laughs) but you, if, if your customer's satisfied and they get their needs met, why would they not come back to you? And sometimes it's just a matter of you reminding them or you finding something else for them to buy. But that's why it's so important, like with your services, to have something to where they can come back and repeat that and have a process in place for them to remember to come back. Sometimes it's not people be thinking like, oh, people don't want to work with me anymore, whatever. Who said that? Maybe if you just gave me an incentive to work with you again, or maybe if you just reminded me to work with you again, or maybe people are busy. People have so many things going on. um, And if you just put me on a retainer or you just like that, it's all about offering it and the way you're offering it and, and positioning it and all of that. Like you, yeah, you have to get out of your head that people, it, that people aren't doing it because they don't want to. That's not why people aren't doing or purchasing from you. Okay. Get that out of your head. You have to start thinking everyone actually wants to purchase from me. They do. It's just about if I'm doing my part of giving them a solid offer. It's all about the offer, baby, okay? So once you start doing that, you need to put effort into getting repeat customers. Your funnel and your automations need to be built around getting repeat customers because a lot of y'all only have automations for first-time customers, but you don't have automations for repeat customers. And so that's important to your funnel. And then you need to focus on what is generating you the most revenue, okay? Is it when you go live? And talk about your products? Is it when you do interviews on podcasts? Is it when you um, do TikTok videos? Like what is giving you the most revenue? And just focus on those things. 
focus in. And so I will say with my business, my old business, okay, yes, our ad account got shut down and whatever, right? So yeah, we should have focused on like one or two other things on top of the ads. But we focus in on the ads, right? And by us focusing in on that, that helped us grow so fast rather than me trying to spread myself thin and do everything at once. What we should have done, though, was once one thing was working really good, then you added something else on top of that. And so we didn't add the thing on top of that. We were his idea was to add Facebook ads to that. And yes, that would have helped actually tremendously, because at least then we have two different channels of ads and we're not just focused on one type of ad. Because YouTube ads are ran through Google and Facebook ads are ran through Facebook, of course. Um, even Instagram ads are ran through Facebook. So that would have gave us some something to fall back on. And when you're selling, the only thing, not the only thing, but outside of reviews, you have to have reviews. You just have to because that's the thing that builds the trust. That's the thing that makes people say, okay, this does work. I can purchase this because it does work, okay? So you do have to have those reviews. But then outside of the reviews... You have to understand what the customer values, okay? When you're selling, you could be selling, like you could probably, you might be really good at like being persuasive, but you might be trying to persuade them with the wrong thing, right? Like maybe your customer, let's say, let's just use lashes, for example. Maybe you are trying to convince me that you have, that you do the best technique, right? You're a perfectionist. Their lashes are going to look so much better with you, da, 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 right? But maybe your customer is a mom and she just wants to feel good about herself every day and she just wants to wake up and go and not because she doesn't have time to do her makeup in, in depth and all of that. And so having lashes would just save her time and make her feel pretty, right? Maybe that's all you had to say. But you sit over here talking about the type of mink lashes you use and how it's premium and how you do all this extra stuff for retention and da da da, and she don't even care about that. And so you're just wasting your breath. But if you had, all you had said was, hey girl, this is gonna save you time. Like you don't even have to actually worry about doing your makeup in the morning because you're just gonna wake up pretty because you have your lashes done. And you just show before and after somebody getting their lashes done and how cute they look afterward. Um, that's all it took. So you just need to figure out what, what matters to them most. We can not to say we shouldn't talk about all those other benefits, but we need to lead with the main thing that that's bothering them. And then they get all that other information later after they've shown interest. Does that make sense? So like, for instance, if I was going to run an ad for lashes and I know that that's what they care about in the ad, all I'm going to talk about is how one of my clients is a single mom and she has so much going on and she wants to wake up cute and she was tired of feeling raggedy. And then I'm going to show an image of what she looked like before and then what she looks like after. And then maybe a clip of her talking about how she just feels so pretty now and she gets so many compliments and she doesn't even have to do anything. She just wakes up that way. Right. Then after you, so that way, after the person clicks, cause that's what they care about anyway. Right. So after they click and see, okay, well, what kind of lashes are these? Whatever. That's when they're interested in all that extra information about the retention and the you being the best of the best and all that. But they don't even care about that unless it's going to serve that first thing that they care about, right? So same thing with me. A lot of the things I purchase are centered around convenience. A lot of them, okay? Um, it's very rare that I purchase something that is not centered around convenience. 
Why? Because I like convenience first and foremost, right? Then after that, then I'm going to say, oh, okay. Does it do all the other things too, right? Because this is the thing. For me, the reason I center convenience is because I have a lot of things going on and I have ADHD and a million other things. So <laughs> I need to make sure that it's going to be really easy for me to incorporate into my life and then, or it's just going to be done for me. Now, if it's going to be done for me and you're just making my life easier, then great. I will definitely consider it. But if it's adding more work to my plate, if it's something that's going to take an hour every day for me to do whatever, like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not. So you have to lead with convenience for me. So you have to figure that out. What, it, what do you need to lead with with your customer? And then once you've gotten them hooked in, then we can talk about all the other stuff, right? So when I was selling um, my other courses, a lot of these people wanted to start a business so they can make more money. So we led with that. When you start a business and you do good at it, you make extra money, right? Um, and then after that, then we explain everything else in more detail. So that is really probably the key that most of y'all are missing. And that's why you're not seeing success because you just keep talking about a bunch of stuff nobody cares about. Okay, now the other thing I want to touch on is y'all's policies, okay? Woo, child. A lot of y'all want to be seen as like, some of y'all don't care. Some of y'all just want to make money. But a lot of you service providers and, and just all kinds of providers, okay, and, and people that sell anything. Y'all want to be seen as high end and quality. That's what people love to promote is quality, 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 right? And high end. But your policies are giving cheap, cheap, cheap. That's what it's giving. And let me explain what I mean by that. I used to always talk about how like if you go to Forever 21, this was before the pandemic, especially before the pandemic. Forever 21, once you hand them your money, you're not getting it back. You are not getting your money back, or you weren't at that time, because that's just their policy. Honey, they said, no, no refunds over here. You're not getting your money back, okay? And then around the pandemic, they just had to change. Everybody had to change their policies at the pandemic. But what did that indicate to you? That this is a cheap company, and they don't want, because, but also too, they understand their customer. They understand their customer likes to play games. They like, their, their customer likes to go wear the stuff out and then bring it back and try to get their money back. And so they were like, no, we're not playing with y'all because y'all are cheap people. <laughs> so we're not giving you your money back because we know you're trying to scam us, right? That's them understanding their customer. So that aligns. That makes sense, right? Because the product is cheap. It attracts people with bad mentalities. And then they go and try to get over on the business, right? But a lot of y'all are offering services, okay? Let's just use hairdressers for an example because that's the perfect example. Y'all like to sit here and have policies talking about some um, if you're five minutes late, your appointment's canceled. And if you do this, this, and this, then you're not coming. Like, girl, what? What? And you call yourself a luxury service provider? No, absolutely not. I understand that it's you trying to have boundaries and you talking about, you know, people all like to say like, oh, it cuts into my time with my client, my next client and stuff. Stop booking your clients so close together. There should be a 30 minute window between each client anyway. So why why would it matter? It shouldn't even matter. Number one, um, especially with the, pi the price I'm paying, it shouldn't matter. And if it does matter that much, increase the price relax. Um, since we're so luxury over here, it shouldn't even matter if you increase the price a little bit. But also, uh, <laughs> let's just use Nordstrom for an example again. 
anytime I've ever gone to Nordstrom, treated like a princess, okay? You are treated because it's a luxury place. We are not going to sit here and get upset if you miss your appointment with your stylist. Nordstrom has, for those that don't know, Nordstrom, you can make appointments with all kinds of people in there. They have tailors, they have stylists, they have all kinds of stuff. They're not going to sit here and pass out if you're 10 minutes late because they are here to serve you. Okay, you're 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 the prize. So they're here to serve you and get your coin. So they're going to treat you with respect. And you you being 10 minutes late is not going to be insulting to them. They understand you're busy. They understand. They just understand. Okay, they totally get it. They they're not going to sit here and nitpick over dumb stuff. If anything, they're going to have snacks ready for you. Wine, water, whatever. They're going to have things already picked out for you. They're prepped and ready to go. Okay, because they're just waiting on you. So, yes, have boundaries, but like do it within reason. Like y'all just don't be reasonable. And it just makes it so off putting. It is so off putting. And you need to be more worried about customer satisfaction than trying to like prove a point or have these stern policies. And like, girl, all you're doing is irritating people and making people not want to come back to you. Five minutes. Oh, my gosh. Not five minutes late. Not 10 minutes late. If they're 25 minutes late, okay, yes. Now you are just, you're pushing it and we're canceling the, the appointment because I have people lined up after you. But like I said, you just need to like chill out, relax, and, and understand that you are, you need to make your customer feel valued. What is the point of coming back if they don't feel valued, if they don't feel like, if you're treating them as if like they're nothing to you? over being late five minutes like you just gotta chill you really gotta chill and check your priorities because you are not providing a luxury service at that point based on how you're acting okay and it definitely never requires you to be rude or cuss people out or anything like that anything like that okay but you uh, that's I just want you to think about the difference of how you're treated at a real luxury place versus somewhere that is just really cheap and attracts cheap people with bad mentalities. And if you're attracting people that are disrespectful and have bad mentalities, then you need to ch- increase your prices so that you don't have to go through those things. It's, pro- it's, some- it's something about the way you're presenting yourself that says you want that type of energy. I hate to say it. I hate to be the person to break it to you, but it's something that you're doing that is communicating that to them. Okay, and then outside of that, the last point I want to make is that you need to be reinvesting in your business. A lot of y'all, I don't know. I don't know why you're so uncomfortable reinvesting back in your business or why it's not a priority, but like, please do it. (laughs) Just do it. (laughs) That's the only way you're going to grow. You have to reinvest in your business and stop cutting corners. Just stop. Just stop doing it. It's going to make your life so much easier when you reinvest and you improve things because you need to... You need to improve it for your customers and for yourself and and to make things smoother, more efficient, whatever. Like, just do it, sweetie. But yeah, okay. Anyway, I hope this episode was helpful. I have an actual three-part workshop where I talked about like the processes and systems that you need in order to make $100,000 a month, which was what my company used to do. Like minimum, we used to do like 100000 a month or more. Um, so a month we made multiple six figures a month like I think the most we'd ever made was like 300,000 a month but I I went into detail and I actually show like how to do the ads and how to do all the math and like all of that 
But everything needs to be predictable is my point. Like when you are running ads or when you're doing anything for your business, you should be able to predict it and see for sure like, oh, if we do this, we're going to get this result. And so in that three day thing, in that three day workshop, I went into detail about all of that. So if you want it, I will put it in the description because I think it, it matches good with this episode. But also go watch the seven figure business episode that I did um, with the bad bangs. OK, OK. anyway i hope this was helpful i hope you enjoyed it uh if you did like i said please leave a review please let me know and share this with a friend and i'll see y'all next thursday bye